Hello, Courier Nation. Welcome to the Deliver on Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. Well, hey, Courier Nation, how has your week been? It is good to have you back, and it's good to be back. And here we are on episode 80. Can you believe it? If you've been listening very long, and I know not very many of you have been listening that long, just because I know what the numbers were. And I know what the numbers are now, and there's still not that many, but we're getting, we're growing, we're growing. And it's just, it's been fun. This has been, it's a, we've passed a year. We started off with 31 days straight. I still can't believe I pulled that off. And uh, it, it's just, it's been fun doing this podcast, ramping up the Entree Courier website. And anytime you have anything that you want to hear about, let me know if you would, please. A couple things in the news. Uh, first, tomorrow, today is the 14th as I record this, Tuesday the 14th. I'm hoping you're listening to this very, very, very soon. If you haven't done your taxes, because tomorrow's the deadline, I'm sure you know that. I hope you know that. If you don't know that, you better jump on it because you don't have much time left. July 15th is kind of the, you know, the new tax day for this year anyway, extended from April 15th. Thank you, COVID. And so if you haven't got your taxes done, why not? You've had a whole lot of extra time to do it. Now, I did just send mine in yesterday. I waited Mostly because I wanted the money to sit in the bank instead of giving it to Uncle Sam, you know. If I was allowed to keep it, I'm going to keep it. So, anyway, if you need any help with your taxes, you can head over to entrecourier.com slash tax dash guide. Or you can just go to entrecourier.com and it is one of the main menu items, the tax guide. And I got a whole series of articles about all sorts of different things. So, if you've got questions, just look at the list of articles and hopefully there should be something that ought to help you out there. Folks, did you listen in last week? Did you get a chance to listen to Mike Biscaglia of uh, Mike Delivers, of the Mike Delivers podcast? He was a guest with us last week, and uh, you got to go over and listen to his podcast. And maybe you got a little bit of vested interest in that because uh, he had me back on his podcast now as a guest. It was an honor to be able to be part of that, and... Uh, it was fun to talk with him again. Mike is just, you got to go listen to him. Listen to his podcast because uh, especially the other episodes besides mine, <laughs> Mike gets into just the fun stuff about delivery between the food and the stories of the road. And uh, he's just, he's entertaining. He's fun to listen to. And so go check him out at Mike Delivers. One last little bit of news before we dive into today's topic, and that is that the Paycheck Protection Program is still open. Um, in my opinion, I think it's the better option if you had to choose between that and the EIDL. You can do both. Uh, the EIDL, I'm going to have some links in the show notes for both, uh, for things that kind of describe both programs. Uh, the EIDL is a loan that is being made available that independent contractors can take out. Uh, there is a $1,000 advance that is that doesn't have to be repaid, uh, but the rest of it is a loan. You can probably get a little more money if you need some money to help you get by if you have been hurt by this pandemic. 
The Paycheck Protection Program is something that I think actually provides a little more for independent contractors because more of it can be forgiven. And it is all and, and and that is all kind of based on how much did you earn the year before in 2019. But uh, I had mentioned last week that I had somebody from Wampley. I've been pointing people to this uh, Wampley. They kind of farm people out or uh, lining up with lenders. And they said they weren't going to open up their portal again because everything had closed up on June 30th. Everybody had shut down their application process. And they didn't think that they were going to open it up again. But it does look like they are taking applications now. So if you go to entrecourier.com slash Wampley, and I'll put a link in the show notes, um, you can still apply there. I know at least one of their lenders is taking applications. And so if that's something that you're still thinking about, go check out the article on uh, on the Entree Courier about uh, the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, go check out the article about how the forgiveness works on that. And go check out the article on the EIDL. Those are a couple of things that can help you, especially if you're in one of these areas, you know, where your market has been so saturated, you can't make any money. If you're somebody that you just really didn't feel safe going out and delivering or you had other obligations, you're taking care of somebody because of this. Kids are home and there's nobody that can watch them because of this pandemic or maybe you're a caregiver for somebody who has not been feeling well as a result. You know, all sorts of different things that could put you in a spot where you need to be able to get some cash to get by. And so there are some programs, and as independent contractors, you are able to take advantage of those. So, you know, there's a couple things to think about. Okay, so there's a reason I don't do karaoke. I apologize that you had to listen to that. When I was out doing deliveries on Sunday, I was doing this... uh, you know, trying to get uh, 30 deliveries in for Uber Eats all in one day. And so I did some recording or screenshots or something that were supposed to kind of record, you know, what I'm saying as well as what's happening on the screen and hoping that I could use that as part of the podcast today because I'm talking about doing deliveries for Uber Eats. And the problem with that, though, is that whenever anything happens in the phone itself, especially the notification chimes from Uber Eats, that it drowns everything out that I'm saying. So it kind of made all that useless, but uh, it also did kind of capture that little bit of singing along. As I mentioned, we're talking about what's it like delivering for Uber Eats. I'm starting a new series. Just We're going to do this here for a few weeks of uh, each of the major apps. Maybe not Postmates. That one's a little bit, uh, that, that one's still kind of out there. I haven't delivered for Postmates for a little while and recently found that I can't get logged into them. So I don't know if I can get that resolved in time to go out and do that. And I don't want to do it all based on memories. And so I did do a series, oh gosh, kind of in the fall of last year where I talked about each one of them, but it was more the question, are they a good delivery option? And so I did more of a comparison and I, you know, talked about different factors and things like that. And this one I wanted to do a little differently. It's more kind of like, what is the experience like itself? So that's kind of what's going on here with this today. And one thing that I want to really encourage you to do as we get into this is, you know, more than anything, this is a good one to pull up the uh, blog post. I'll have a link in the show notes. You can go to entrecourier.com slash 80, because this is episode 80. And um, because it's got some screenshots on there that I'm going to be talking about, you know, with the experience, the offer screens. And so it kind of helps to be able to see the screens, especially if you're not as familiar with how Uber Eats works. 
But what I want to do is I just want to talk about the experience of delivering for people. And a lot of it's going to come from my perspective and the way that I do things. But some of it I, I'm hoping that uh, can be a good description if you're somebody that you don't deliver for them and you're thinking about it and you're wondering, is that going to be a good option to move to? And uh, or, or just, you know, maybe thinking about delivery in general and you're wondering, what's it like? So that's what I wanted to do is try and take it from that perspective. So I do apologize to uh, some of you that, uh, you know, maybe you're very well aware of what it's like. And so I'm maybe preaching to the choir or I'm telling you stuff you already know. Uh, hopefully, maybe there's some perspectives that might help you out if you're thinking about different ways to that might be a little more efficient to do some things with Uber Eats and with some of the others. But this week, we'll do Uber Eats and we'll get into some, you know, in, in future episodes, Grubhub and DoorDash and maybe, maybe, maybe Postmates. So let's start from the beginning. What's it like getting started? Just just getting started with Uber Eats. And... Um, and this is maybe especially to somebody that is really brand new to this. Um, but it, I think it also is kind of some things that maybe you're still fairly new to it. But it's just talking about that first getting out there to deliver. And, of course, this is I'm not going to get the very, very beginning. You know, the sign up, that's a different thing altogether. You go through your background check, all that stuff. I'm, I'm assuming that that's all been done. And uh, I'm assuming that you're ready to go, though. you got your however you're getting around. If you're doing it on your bike or your car. Well, they're going to throw out real quickly when I mentioned that with Uber Eats. You got to have a different account with Uber Eats to do bike deliveries than you do car deliveries. Kind of a weird little glitch with them. But uh, other than that, you know, you've got however you're getting around. And of course, you got your phone and you got the app downloaded. And the app is real easy to get to. It's called Uber Driver. It is the same app as the rideshare guys use. You download the same app. But based on what your sign-in is and everything like that, you know, that they know that, okay, you're on delivery. And, you know, so it's going to perform based on your account. So you don't have to worry about finding a separate one for Uber Eats. Uh, it's the same app as the Uber rideshare drivers do. And you can get that from the Play Store, the App Store. You log in with the login stuff that you set up when you applied to go out and deliver. And then, of course, you got your delivery bag, right? I'm hoping you got your delivery bag. I really want to encourage you to get a delivery bag. And this is something that probably happens less with Uber Eats than anybody else because Uber Eats does not give you a delivery bag like everybody else does. Now, their reasoning is they don't want that to be interpreted as they're giving you the tools to do your work because you're an independent contractor. They're being very careful not to cross that line. I understand it, actually. I think it actually makes sense that they do it that way. But you don't have a free bag from them. So if you're just getting started, what do you do? And I do have a bag available. It's $10 and that includes the shipping. And I'll have a link in the show notes for that. And um, if you don't want to wait a couple of days or something like that, you know, the next best thing you can do is probably go over to Walmart, go into the camping section and look for the Ozark Trail cooler bag. They've got one that basically is designed for holding, you know, holding all your beer, right? <laughs> But it's it's kind of the right size. It's I, I don't like the dimensions as much for some of the packages that you, or some of the food things that you got to deliver. I think the, the bag is too narrow for my personal taste. But it's also pretty cheap and it's easy to get to and things like that. So that's that's an option. But really, you ought to have a bag. I'll have a link in the show notes for an article that talks about why I think that's so important. 
uh, just, I think it helps you. I think it makes money for you. I honestly do. But you can read that article to get into more details on that. So the next thing you do is you're deciding when you're going to deliver. With Uber Eats, it's easy. There's a go button on the app. You tap it. That's it. Okay. Lately, it's a little more complicated than that, but some of the other apps, they've got scheduling components. They've got some different things like that. Really, I think that's a feature that they use to try and manipulate you into taking more offers because uh, if you take a higher percentage of offers, then you can schedule earlier, and Uber Eats doesn't do that. There's a good and there's a bad to that. You know, one thing is they let you go in whenever you want, but the problem with it is that sometimes you get too many people trying to log in at the same time. So, you know, you take the good with the bad, I guess. But I prefer that flexibility of just being able to deliver when you want to deliver and log off when you want to log off. And there's no pressure. There's no stress. There's no worry about if you're missing a scheduled block or anything like that. I like that about Uber Eats. So you go in and you're going to make yourself available pressing the go button. Now, in the past, that's all you had to do. But since the pandemic has happened, there's kind of an extra step or set of steps that you have to go through. And uh, basically what happens, you push the go button and nothing happens, but then you see, oh, you got to do something here. And it's kind of like the app is saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, cool your jets here, buddy. We got to do something first. And every once in a while, the app will will put a pause on that and say, you can't do anything yet because you got to take a selfie because the selfie will use the uh, you know facial recognition just to prove that it really is you and not somebody else. It's kind of a cumbersome process. I think it's a pain in the butt because a lot of times you got to do several pictures before it actually does what it's supposed to do. And so I don't like that that much. But more recently, they've got a thing where it's like they've got a little checklist of four things that you got to check off saying that you're taking the right precautions because of the pandemic. I don't have a problem with these things, honestly, because I think there's things that we should be doing anyway. But the biggest one is, again, it, it asks you to take a selfie, but this time you want to take the selfie wearing your mask. And it's got this algorithm that can determine if you're wearing a mask or not. And in the associated blog post at entrecourier.com slash 80, I've got a little video there that uh, uh, it kind of shows um, what I did as far as, you know, trying to take that selfie and taking a selfie without the mask, showing that it didn't recognize that, putting the mask on, and then it accepts it. So, you know, if you want to watch that little video or something like that, you can kind of get a feel for what that's like. The good news is, though, once you do that, as long as you're logged in, um, you don't have to do that again. And a lot of times you can log out and a few minutes later log back in and you don't have to do it. Sometimes if you're off for a little while, then you got to do it again. If you, you know, maybe it's been 15, 30 minutes. I've never tried to determine how long it is, but, um, it also gives you like three other questions there that you got to check off. And it says, you know, you're agreeing, you check off if you agree that you're not going to deliver if you have any kind of symptoms. It makes sense. It says that you, you're agreeing that you're disinfecting your vehicle and you're agreeing that you're regularly washing and sanitizing your hands. Well, you ought to be doing those things anyway. So I don't have a problem with those. But you do that. And now you can go back and you can press the go button again. It doesn't keep it pressed, but you got to go back and press it again. And now you're ready to take offers. And at this point, this is when they start sending you offers and you get this little chime. Okay, so we've got Notice that we do not have So as we have changed downtown, that's not very far from here. So that's manageable. It's 19 minutes total time, 4.8 miles, because of the 19 
And you can kind of hear me chattering in the background on that, that, uh, again, this is when I was trying to record it to kind of show, you know, talk about my reactions to some of the different offers that come in. But because of the way that it muffled my voice, it kind of made that not as useful a thing to do. So I abandoned that idea. But at least you got to hear the chant, the, the chime, right? Anyway, you get the chime and uh, you got a lot of information that shows up on the screen now. And I want to walk through some of that. And, and, and it really, once again, I keep pushing you back to the blog post because I've got the screenshots and you got the things that you can look at to kind of see what I'm talking about. I'll do my best to try and describe it so it makes sense if you're just listening on audio and you're not able to get to that blog post. But it really does help to kind of see some of the stuff there. You get an offer screen and it basically is made up of about a third of it is a little box that's got details about the delivery. And then there's a little button up on the top of the screen that allows you to just click it to decline. And then it shows a map. Most of the time, we'll get into this in a little bit. Most of the time you got a map, but it's a map that shows where you are, where the restaurant is and where the customer is. And that way you've got an idea where you're going, what you're getting yourself into if you accept this delivery. Now, what I really like about this is you can just either click accept or decline. No extra steps. You don't have to tell them why you're declining or anything like that. They don't care. All you're doing is you're saying, nope, don't want that one. Okay, on to the next one. I like that. There's there's a lot of elements on this now, and a lot more than there used to be. Uh, one of the things I've got in there is like a little uh, screenshot. It's actually a series of four different screenshots that show the gradual improvements and in the information that they are providing. And so just, you know, if you're kind of interested in that or if you haven't noticed the little changes that they've made along the line, you know, it's it might be worth taking a look at that blog post page just to see what I think has been impressive about Uber Eats is they've just been quietly making these improvements. I have seen a couple of the apps kind of make this fanfare. Hey, we're going to make these changes. We're going to do these changes. We're going to make this better. And it never seems like they do anything about it. And Uber Eats, on the other hand, never really said anything. They never said, hey, we're going to make these changes here. They just did it. And I'm kind of impressed by that. On the offer screen, you have, you know, we'll talk about the map just a little bit. This is one of the huge improvements that they made. Last year, I never delivered Uber Eats, hardly ever, uh, because you didn't know where you were going. You got a map, but all the map showed is where you are and where the restaurant is. They didn't even tell you who the restaurant was. You just had to kind of guess by what, where it was on the map. And usually the map's small enough that you can't pinpoint it down to a particular corner or anything anyway. But that was all you got. Well, now they've, part of this progression of changes is it used to be that uh, then they added the picture or the uh, little icon onto the map to show where the customer was. But it was all the same color as everything else. So you couldn't really tell for sure. You've only got, a, you know, like I think it's like 20 seconds that you got to make a decision. And so you're sitting there looking at this and all of a sudden it disappears. So you can't still couldn't tell totally. But eventually they changed the contrast and then they changed it. So you had some bright colored icons to let you know where the restaurant is, where the customer is. It's very clear now. And so that has impressed me. Once again, it's just one of those things that they've kind of slowly improved. You've got the map showing those things. Now, there are some times when that map doesn't show up. I'll get into that in a minute. But then you've got this little box at the bottom, like I said, about a third of the screen, and it gives you a bunch of information. Uh, the first thing that it shows you is the, the top line is the dollar amount. It tells you the minimum that you can expect to be paid. Now, this truly is a minimum. 
And it is in my in my experience recently, probably ninety percent of the time, it's more than that. And that's because the amount they're showing is just their estimate of what they are paying. And they're saying it's not going to be less than what they're showing on there. But if the customer tips, that's always going to be more. And so their their price that they give you does not include the tip amount. And that's a huge difference between the price that Grubhub gives you and the price that DoorDash gives you. And a lot of people will say that's that's an advantage for those two. And, and there are some areas where I see that it is an advantage for them. Um, there, there, there are times I would really rather know exactly how much I'm getting, but that just doesn't happen with Uber Eats. But you still have, and really, and I think because the tip's not included, I generally find this kind of useless. In fact, I find, as I'll talk about here in a moment, that the higher the pay, for me, more often than not, that just means that delivery is less desirable. I'm less likely to take it, which seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Uh, I put a link in the show notes to an article that I write about what I call reverse cherry picking and how I make those decisions. But anyway, we'll get into making decisions here in a second. The other information that you get on that offer screen includes delivery details and includes some stuff that nobody else is giving out, at least none of the major four. If you are actively delivering Uber Eats, you already know about this stuff. But uh, if you haven't delivered for a few months, you can check out the uh, screenshots because you might be a little surprised about what's showing up now. You know, it's not only showing you the map of where the customer is, but it's giving you then underneath the dollar amount, it's giving you two things that I think set them apart. Now, one is how far you will be driving. Now, that one's not as unique because uh, DoorDash has been doing that. DoorDash has been doing that for a long time. I've been noticing with DoorDash, they've been kind of minimizing it. They've been making that smaller. They've been putting it where it's a little less easy to see that. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's just aesthetics or what it is, but it's pretty clear. It stands out pretty well on the Uber Eats delivery screen. This delivery is going to be 17 miles or this delivery is going to be 1.4 miles, you know, whatever it is. And the other thing that they give you is estimated minutes. Nobody, nobody is doing that. Estimated minutes, how long they expect that delivery is going to take. And I've noticed that they've been actually fairly good with that. At least they've done a good job of estimating drive time with that. And that's a good thing to know. You still gotta, kind of got to know what what is the restaurant like. Are they more often not, than not slow? And uh, you might be thinking about you know whether or not you're going to be in areas where you're dropping off and it takes a little longer. So there's still some things that that are going to be not always, you know, that minute amount isn't going to be spot on, Uh, but it has been more accurate than I ever expected that it would be. But this is where I think Uber Eats is shot way ahead of everybody else. You know, the next thing on their, their display screen then is the restaurant name and that, you know, they're late to the game with that. I don't know why they didn't get that information out before, but at least they've added that now. But then they add something else on the bottom and this is something else that, Nobody else is doing cross streets. You got cross streets to the customer's address. So basically it's kind of, it's, it's what they are able to pull very quickly off of the map for the cross street. So sometimes it's not as helpful as it could be, but it's, you know, it's a cross streets of where the customer is. And so if you're, you know, and the thing is you got a few seconds to make a decision, right? And so when you see that, sometimes that gives you that feeling of where you're going even faster than what the map does. Because sometimes with the map, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll get my north and my south mixed up and I'm thinking there should be going one and the other. And if I see those cross streets and recognize those cross streets, 
that makes it a lot more concrete for me. Oh, yeah, 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 I know exactly where I'm going with this. Now, Uber Eats is sometimes not real good with that. Uh, sometimes there's, well, you know, you're always going to have streets that you just don't recognize. Where is that street again? And and sometimes I've confused one street with another, and that's just my own brain fart. And sometimes I've seen it where it only showed one cross street, not both of them. And it's like, okay, that doesn't help. Sometimes I get it where the two streets are parallel to each other. That's not as helpful either. I mean, it narrows it down, but it's like it could be anywhere between, you know, way on the north end or the south end or east to west or something, depending on what the street is. But, you know, sometimes the cross streets aren't as good as they could be. But uh, it's still, I mean, nobody else is even trying to touch that. So I give them credit there. Now, one thing with Uber Eats on their offer screens is sometimes it's hard to get all the information you need. On Android phones, there's a feature where you can have something always on top, and it uses that to put the box of information and the decline button on top of everything else. And once that offer is going up, you can't pull up anything else. But you also don't get the map if you weren't already in the app when the offer came in. There's a little trick around that. Usually, you can kind of swipe down from the top like you do on Android phones to get your notifications. And then there's a spot that says, you know, you're currently online for the Uber Eats app or the Uber Driver app. If you click on that, it'll bring your map up more often than not. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I don't think the iPhone has that issue as much but because uh, it doesn't have the overlay capability like that. That can be kind of a pain. But where it's, I think, a bigger issue is if you're already on a delivery they don't even give you a map. There's no way to get to the map. They just don't give you one. And so that that can just be kind of a pain there. And that is the time that the lack of an off uh, that uh, the lack of good information in the cross streets is maddening. But the flip side of that is even though you don't get a map, they put so much other information in that box that you can still generally get a pretty good idea of where you're going. You can kind of, okay, let's see, if I'm going three miles, the restaurant's here, then yeah, it's got to be somewhere off in this area or something like that. And so in, in to some extent, the map isn't as necessary, but I wish they still made it available. So you're getting an offer. Should you accept it? That's kind of the next thing with these with the delivery apps is trying to make a decision. And I might maybe put a little more time into that question here with Uber Eats just because of the difference that you've got on Uber Eats than you've got with the other apps, than Grubhub and DoorDash, in that you don't actually know the amount that you're going to make. And I mentioned that the tip is not included. Now, with Grubhub and DoorDash, I have talked a few times about my 40-cent rule that a delivery's got to pay 40 cents a minute for it to be worth taking. And lately it's been more like 50 cents for me. And it's starting to move back down to maybe 45 because things are starting to seem a little more normal as far as payouts and stuff. But anyway, I'm getting off on the tangent. I don't want to go down any rabbit holes right now. But the problem is with Uber Eats, you can't determine if a delivery might be 40 cents a minute because you don't know what it's going to pay. You can kind of play the averages. You can kind of guess at what the tip's going to be. And I've kind of had fun trying to do that sometimes is, okay, I'm going to guess what this thing's actually going to pay when I get done. Sometimes it'll be pretty good and sometimes it can be way off. But um, with with Uber Eats, it's, it's a little different approach for me. I mentioned earlier, I kind of ignore the dollar amount. 
And in fact, if I do pay attention to the dollar amount, it's almost the reverse of what you might normally do with Grubhub and DoorDash. If it pays more, I'm less likely to take it. If it pays less, I'm more likely to take it. That seems odd, doesn't it? But the reason for it is because Uber Eats does pay you based on your time and your distance. And when you've got a longer delivery, they pay more. And, and to their credit, they do better at paying for that extra time. You know, if you've ever seen DoorDash and their 15-mile deliveries that they're only paying the minimum, you know that that doesn't really do a whole lot. And Grubhub's not a whole lot better. I mean, they're kind of like this, uh, what do they say, where mileage and distance are factored into it. You know, it's not transparent. It's not transparent with anybody right now. But it's not nearly as much that they pay extra for that extra time or anything for the longer deliveries than, than Uber Eats. But what happens is people see that dollar, that higher dollar amount, and they're thinking like, okay, $9 as opposed to like looking at a $9 Grubhub order or something and say, okay, I'm going to take that. And it doesn't really work that way. I mean, yes, the dollar amount is higher. And if and usually when the customer tips, it's even that much higher. So that's a good thing. But because you're more likely to be spending 45 minutes or whatever, you're making less per hour. And so that's why I'm a little different in the way that I approach the way that I look at those orders. On the blog post at entrecourier.com slash 80, I also have a side-by-side -side of two offers. And this kind of illustrates it. Uh, these two offers were the same afternoon on Sunday afternoon when I was in the middle of this 30-day or 30-delivery challenge. And one of them was for $8.47 and one of them was for $5.00. And I'm going to tell you right offhand, you know, before I go into any more detail about that, that it was an immediate reject for the 847, and it was an immediate, like, as fast as I possibly could, except for the $5 delivery. And when you get a look at it, you kind of get an idea why. Because uh, the one, um, the $8.47, now, it's, it's from a place that a lot of times has, you know, the food's a little higher priced, I, at least from what I understand. Um uh, it's it's a Cajun place or something like that. but So tips can usually be pretty good from that. So the tip would probably have been even higher than the one from the other place. But here's the problem is, you know, when you look at that $8.47, and it's going to be 33 minutes total, it's going to be five miles. And knowing that particular restaurant tends to be a little bit slower anyway, I thought, okay, the 33 minutes is really optimistic, you know. And that $5 delivery, it was literally right across the street from where I was dropping off with the customer and on, on the delivery I was on. It was going only a mile and a half. The estimated time was 11 minutes. And I will tell you that it, it was actually 12 minutes is the actual time that it took. So it was just like, you know, one third of the time, one third of the distance and everything like that. And, uh, you know, closer to what, about 60, 70 percent of the pay. Ultimately, what it meant was a profit per hour was going to be better. Now, here's the crazy thing on that one. Even after the tip, that little 11-minute delivery paid less than what the offer was on that $8.47 delivery that I rejected so quickly. I got no idea what that tip would have been. Bottom line is, it would have had to have been about a $20 delivery for that to have the same profit per hour because of the huge difference in the time and the distance and everything. The bottom line is the first offer, it just had to pay an awful lot more 
to be worth taking than what the second one was because the second one was short, so quick, so short. Guys, that other one, the second one paid $8, but it took 12 minutes. I could do five of those in an hour. Do the math on that. That's $40 an hour. So, you know, the lesson is with Uber Eats, I found that it, it, it has a lot more to do with time and distance than it does the dollar amount that they're offering. So that's my advice when you're thinking about what to accept or what not to accept. Okay, so let's go on to what are the deliveries themselves like? And what I can tell you is really kind of more from my own experience. You know, you start off with picking up the order from the restaurant. And if you've never done a delivery before, it's just a matter, you get the offer and you make the decision, okay, I'm going to take that offer. So you drive to the restaurant and you go inside and, and sometimes they'll have instructions for where to go and sometimes they won't. If they don't, you know, then you're looking for, you know, the host counter or you're looking for a takeout counter or something like that. You're looking for somebody. And if nothing else, you walk in and say, hey, I've got an Uber Eats delivery. Where do I go? You go in, you get the food. And then you head out to take it to the other to the customer. And usually it's about that easy. It's kind of hard to really compare how that process is with anybody else, because especially with the pandemic now, it's like everybody is on all the platforms. So it's like the experience is kind of the same no matter what happens there. Uh, with the pandemic, a lot of restaurants are now setting out tables where they're going to put the food. And uh, it's a safety thing in that they don't have to make contact with you or anything like that. But it's also so much faster because the food's right there. You walk in, you see it sitting there, you grab the food, and away you go. And so that's, that's one of the reasons I've been making more money since the pandemic started is because you can get in and out of the restaurant so much faster. But you go in, uh, and and sometimes uh, with Uber Eats, you got to give them like a confirmation code or something like that. But you go to whoever you got to go to. Sometimes you got to wait for the food to be ready. Uh, if it's going to be a long wait, you've got the option of saying, yeah, I'm not going to do this delivery, and you can cancel. And I don't know whether or not this is a universal thing. My experience has been I do a lot less waiting on orders with Uber Eats than I do with Grubhub or DoorDash. And especially Grubhub's a lot worse, I think, than anybody in this area. But one of the things that's really different with Uber Eats, on some of the other platforms, you've got a little debit card where sometimes you got to go in and you got to place the order and then you got to wait for them to make the food and then you pick up the food and stuff like that. And that can really slow you down. And I tend to reject all of those every once in a while. I'll accept one if I think I can get in and out of there quickly, or if it's going to pay enough to make it worth doing that. I've never had to do that yet with Uber Eats. Now Uber Eats was starting to introduce that. Uh, in fact, I've got the debit card for it. They mailed it out to me. They were going to launch it kind of about the week that uh, things got crazy with COVID. And all of a sudden, everybody's kind of changing how they're doing things. So I think they put it on the back burner. I don't know if it's ever going to get moved to the front burner. And if you do deliveries and you do have to do order and pay with the Uber Eats, let me know if you would. Uh, leave a comment over at the uh, blog post, uh, entrecourier.com slash 80, or send me an email, ron at entrecourier.com, and let me know because uh, I'm curious to see if they were actually doing that anywhere. I've got a theory that since Uber Eats is buying Postmates, but they're going to keep Postmates as an individual company, if they're going to kind of roll that off more on to letting Postmates be the one to do that kind of thing, and they'll not dive into that so much. I don't know. But uh, that's the, the bottom line is it just seems like I, I can get in and out of the restaurant faster and get the food and on my way. 
And if you're just getting started, folks, this is the best way to make sure you're earning more money. It's not about tips. It's not about begging for these companies to pay more. It is about getting done faster. The faster you can get done with your orders, that means more orders you can do and you make more money that way. Now, one little caveat that I would say about Uber Eats is this period between when you accept the order and when you mark that you've got the order and you're ready to go deliver. And it's because you're kind of in the dark for a little while. If you didn't pay real close attention to the offer screen and you didn't remember where the customer is, you're kind of in a guessing game because for some reason they don't make that information available in that in-between. You can't pull up the map of where the customer is. You can't pull up an address or anything. Everybody else does that. You know, and that's the one drawback with that. And, and the other thing that I don't like is you don't know when the order is supposed to be ready. You know, there's, there's times when you know that the order is really late with some of the other carriers and you just kind of know, maybe I'm going to avoid that offer or you kind of know how to brace yourself for a customer not being happy. You don't know with Uber Eats, unfortunately, when that's the case. So you've got the order. You're taking it to the customer. One thing that Uber Eats has that the other apps don't have is they've got this in-app messaging feature. So through the app, you can send a message to the customer. It says, hey, I'm on the way or whatever. And that's one thing that's a little nicer. And sometimes I think it gets their attention a little better than using a text that some of the others make you do. I think the flip side is if you've got to send a text, you've got documentation of your communications. And there's times that sometimes you might think maybe that might be good to have. Now, you can still document with Uber Eats, but it's more a matter. You've got to remember to take a screenshot whenever you send something so that you can say, yeah, I said this. This is what I said or whatever. Now, I don't know if this is because of them growing out of Uber Um but uh, because of the ride share that they did before, one thing that I do notice with Uber Eats is there's a lot more of the customers that are waiting at the curb, you know. They're waiting for you to, when you pull up, and that makes the delivery go so much faster. That is one thing that I do like is you got a lot more people. I spend a lot less time trying to track people. It still happens. You know, you get downtown, you got a high rise, and you might have to go up to the 21st floor or the 75th floor, and... And that's a pain, and it slows you down. But I get a lot more people that do come out to the street also. And I think maybe that's because you, it, it, you know, it grew out of rideshare. So people are used to going out to meet their Uber, and so they're used to going out and getting their food. And maybe they set the expectation early on that, hey, this is what you got to do, and eventually started migrating more to delivery to the door. I don't know. Now, during the pandemic, you can see a lot of people that have, uh, you know, in normal times, you get there, you knock on the door. Sometimes you got to find your way to the apartment or something like that. Customer comes, you get the food to them. Sometimes that takes a while. During the pandemic, a lot of people are going to these contact-free deliveries. And that means that you can just put the food at the doorstep and then you notify them. With Uber Eats, what you do is you put it at the doorstep and you take a picture and then the picture is sent through the app and you can add a note with any details or anything like that. And then you're able to go on your way. So that's, that's kind of the nice, maybe one good thing as far as like with the pandemic is I think I can get in and out of the restaurants faster and in and out of where the customer is faster because of all the different things that are part of this, you know, contact free culture now. 
generally that's it. And usually the, the drop off is easy. Even when the customer's answering things like that, you, you're not having to get into a long conversation or anything. It's like, oh, hey, here's your food. Have a great one. Thank you. And, you know, or, uh, you know, say something about the dog or whatever, just, just real quick, <laughs> just whatever you're comfortable with. But you're not having to really worry about striking up a five minute conversation with anybody. One thing I want to bring up is, too, is when you get your next delivery offer, because you can be in the middle of your delivery and then your phone starts to chime. Okay, so we've got Hey, nobody tell Mike Biscaglia that I'm uh, ripping off his uh, little uh, Uber East chime effect idea there. But anyway, what can happen is sometimes you get that chime even when you're in the middle of a delivery or you're on your way to the customer. And, and in most cases, it's efficient. I think I find that a lot of times when I'm getting those, the the location that you're picking up from is close to where you're dropping off. I think Uber Eats does a better job of that than anybody else when it comes to matching you up with something close to where you're going. Sometimes it's not that great. But here's a problem with it is that when you're on that delivery, you can't see the map. And I think I mentioned that earlier. It's like when you're in the middle of the delivery, all you get is the detail box and the decline button. So you got to do a little bit of a, you know, looking at the other information and everything like that. Generally, that's when I really pay more attention to time and distance and, and especially time. You know, if, if it's 15 minutes, it's like, I don't care where it's going. I'll take that. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that can happen sometimes is you do an accidental acceptance. And that's because the 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 box with the information takes up a third of the screen and you can tap anywhere in that and you accepted the order. Well, here's the problem that I run into is, you know, I pull up and I drop off the food and I'm going to go mark that it's delivered or I pull up and I'm going to take a picture um, so that I can let the customer know that it's been delivered on a contact free delivery. And I've had a number of times that I go and I tap that this delivery has been done. And right as I tap is when the order pops up. And what I've done then is I've accepted that delivery. And, and, and that's, that's the thing that will drive me nuts sometimes is it's, it's just too big of an area to hit. And it makes it too easy to accept a delivery when you haven't even had a chance to look at it. The good news is that Uber Eats doesn't make a big deal about cancellation rates. Uh, they quit tracking it. I mean, I, they pay attention. I've noticed that in one of their promotion programs that cancellation rate still kind of matters a little bit. But you don't have to worry as much about if you decide you're going to cancel out of a delivery as you do with Grubhub and DoorDash. So that's dropping it off. And then it comes down to getting paid. You know, once upon a time with Uber Eats, you knew how to figure out what the pay was going to be for a delivery. It was so much per mile, so much per minute, and a pickup and a drop-off fee. When they made some of the improvements that they made some of the other things, one thing that they did do is they took away the transparency of their pay. And if you're interested in reading about that, I got a link to an article about that change in their pay model. Now they just give you a number. Uh, it's not transparent. I can tell that it does change based on time and distance, but I've never been able to figure out exactly how much or anything like that. But I have found that the pay that comes out of Uber's pocket does still increase when distance is increased or when there's longer wait times. They are still paying based on real-time things, and those are good things. Those are benefits over the other platforms. And overall, I find that Uber Eats pays more out of their pocket than anybody else does. Now, the challenging thing with delivering with Uber Eats is the tipping. 
tipping has gotten a lot better. I have one article, I've got a link to that, that talked about um, what I called the uh, game changer when Uber Eats started, when they started allowing customers to place the tip when they placed the order. That was a huge thing for Uber Eats, and it was a big improvement. And there was a time when Uber as a company discouraged tips. And uh, so I think that tipping has really improved since, you know, when I started two and a half years ago and, and tipping was terrible. You know, a good day was 40 percent and I'm hitting probably 90 percent of my deliveries. Now, I am finding that tips are a smaller percentage of my overall compensation. I still get more from Uber Eats than I do from the tips for the most part. And uh, that's that's kind of the reverse of what happens with Grubhub. Now, part of that is maybe because the numbers with Grubhub are skewed because I pay more attention to the total dollar amount when I'm accepting. And if the customer's not tipping, I'm not as likely to take that order when I don't know if that's going to be the case on Uber Eats. But the thing is, you don't know what that tip's going to be. And you don't know what that amount is until an hour after you marked it delivered or later. And part of that is because Uber Eats gives people a chance to change their minds. They may decide not to tip at all. They may decide that they are going to tip when they weren't going to. So it could be for better or worse. They may decide to up it or bring it down based on service. There's a part about that that is frustrating, but there's a part about it that I kind of like because there's, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it's just that challenge, the the customer service piece, and, and this idea that I can still kind of control my own destiny a little bit about what I'm going to get paid. And I kind of like that. Now, most people are going to tip nowadays when they place the order. They can go in after the fact and decide to tip. That's different than a lot of the other apps. Uh, some folks, they're still going to tip in cash. I don't run into that very often. It's kind of rare, actually. But you do all of those things. You, 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 you get your order, accept, reject. You pick up the food. You drop off the food, rinse and repeat. And that's what it's like to deliver for Uber Eats. And there's a lot of things that are very similar with everybody else. There's nuances. And as we talk about each of the different ones each week, you'll kind of see where some of those are. Personally, I find that Uber Eats deliveries to be a little more free-spirited than the other platforms because there's a lot less stress over things. There's less worry about schedule. There's less worry. You know, acceptance acceptance rate is not a thing. They don't care how many orders you accept. I mean, they care probably, but, you know, they don't make a big deal about it like the other companies do. And so... Um, I don't know, even though I don't know the tip amount, I don't stress over the order amount like I do when I see Grubhub or DoorDash offering three or $4 for a delivery. And there's that sense of reward on the tipping that you don't feel as much with the others. You don't know for sure if the higher tip was because of your service or not, but it's a possibility. You know with the other platforms that the tip was set before you ever accepted the delivery. So, you know, I don't know. There's a little bit of a different feel for that. So that's that's one of the things I kind of like a little better about doing Uber Eats. Support is lacking with Uber Eats, but that's true of everybody. They all suck. Postmates is the worst, and DoorDash, especially lately, has probably been next to worst. But um, I don't know. Maybe there's a couple things you can do with DoorDash that you can't with Uber Eats. Grubhub is probably still a little better than everybody, but they still suck. So that's that's all my opinion. But I do wish there were some things that they could fix about information that I've mentioned. But I'm also kind of optimistic that it could happen just because of the fact that they've made these other improvements without any fanfare. They didn't go and say, hey, we're going to do all these changes. They just went out and did it. And so bottom line, 
what's it like delivering for Uber Eats? I got to say that right now, I kind of enjoy myself more when I'm delivering Uber Eats than I do with anybody else. Um, how much of that is just my own opinion playing itself out? I don't know. I will tell you that a year ago, it was the opposite. I wouldn't touch Uber Eats. I mean, they actually were below Postmates in my mind, and that's pretty low. But um, things changed dramatically in a year. This last week, Uber Eats passed Grubhub for the most money that I've made so far for the year. In another year, who knows what happens? Maybe maybe DoorDash gets their crap together in some other areas or something like that, and they're the ones. So, you know, you're always kind of keeping an eye on those things. But overall, what's it like to deliver for Uber Eats? I kind of enjoy it. And folks, that kind of wraps it up for today. I do apologize. I went a little longer than I normally do. Okay, I went longer than I normally do. Uh, I don't think I've set a record yet, but if I keep talking about this uh, not going long or something like that, I will. So I'll shut up here. Folks, let me know how this podcast, how the website is helping you out. If there are questions that I can answer, if there are things you need addressed, let me know. And in the meantime, if this podcast is helping you out, could you spread the word? Could you let people know about us? Because the more people can find us, the more people we can help them take control. Because that's what the Entree Courier is all about. That's what Deliver on Your Business is all about, is helping you take control, helping you to embrace your role as an independent contractor. I think independent contractor is an awesome thing. And the main reason is because you're the boss. And that's what I want you to do as you go this week, is take that place, take control, Think of yourself as operating a business and, 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 and do, your, do your deliveries as though you are operating your own business because you are operating your own business. Go out there, folks, and be the boss.